I had dozens, not dozens, a dozen plus lots, many of which were under contract to sell, a few under contract to buy, and then several I was going to build on that were now worthless for all intents and purposes, at least for what I knew. And I, I will never forget that. I felt so helpless. I'm, I have to get on my plane. I have to go home. I have that rehab going on. And all the ARs I had were pretty much in Pueblo West via new builds or uh, uh, just land flipping. And just like that, I didn't know if those lots were worthless. I didn't know if I'd lost all that money. And so that was also not fun. Oh, man. Welcome to the Big Picture Blueprint. I'm your host, Dan Hebercost, along with Mason McDonald. And we're going to discuss all things land, real estate, and business in general with all kinds of exceptional people. Let's get started. What's up, everybody? This is Mason McDonald and Dan Habercost with the Big Picture Blueprint. And today we are going to get spooky with some horror stories that Dan and myself have experienced throughout our real estate investing career. Uh, but before we get into spooky stories, uh, Dan, how are you doing today? I'm great, Mason. Um, had some closings, but... Uh... I thought this would be fun. We, we thought this would be fun because everyone talks about their wins and we could talk about those all day and, and we do, but we thought it would be fun to talk through some of the things that have gone just horribly wrong. Mm -hmm. you know? Oh yeah. No, this, this is going to be super useful. I, I think whenever you hear from people that they've never had failures, um, whether it's either in their actual business or in projects that they've done, you know, they're lying because we've all failed. We've all fallen flat on our face before. And some losses are different, you know, depending on the scale. And Dan, you said you came from a closing. Uh, was it a win of a closing or was it a horror story of a closing or a little bit of both? Not a horror story like the ones we're going to tell. However, it was actually the first build I have ever lost money on. I lost about $8,800 on a new construction build that sold today. And uh, we can talk through that, certainly. Well, I I think, you know, we we should start with uh, something spookier than just an $8,800 loss. Uh, we, you know, I, I know you've got some stories that you're rearing to share. So let's jump into it. Dan, tell us a horror story from your business. Sure. And and, and one caveat, some of these, I, I didn't lose money. However, things went horribly wrong. And we'll, you'll see an example. So I think... One of my favorites is 1512 Shasta Drive. This was a rental property I bought off of Craigslist, where the owner owned dozens of houses, all paid off in Colorado Springs. Bought it on seller financing, 3%, two years interest only, into a 15-year permanent mortgage. I own this rental today. Now, that's great. However, it was in desperate need of repair. He's a slumlord. There's no other way to say it. And so, to put this somewhat succinctly, we were about halfway through the repair. We had lowered the main beam four inches because the whole middle of the house bulged up. If you dropped anything, it would roll. It was like if you had poor balance, you'd fall over. Completely redone the electrical. Completely, I mean, a cosmetic rehab. Uh, a lot of the plumbing are actually, no, excuse me, every inch of the plumbing was getting done. And we were at the point where we were redoing the water and sewer line. And so my illustrious contractor, was at the job site with a rented uh, excavator. And this is a quarter acre lot. So the whole front yard's excavated. He's doing the water sewer, water and sewer. We're trying to get through this quickly. And I get a call from his uh, assistant. He's like 20 years old. He's he's panicked. 
Dan, Jeff got arrested. Oh, no. And, yeah, so, so, uh, there is the entire front yard excavated, dirt spilling into the street, into the neighbors, on the sidewalk. The water is sewer line, half replaced, and a excavator that is sitting on the clock, running, and my contractor is in cuffs, gone. Stop. So, that was a rough day. Oh, <laughs> man. Well, what happened? Did did he ever get out of jail? I bailed him out of jail. At least I learned about the bail system. <laughs> so, so uh, all that to say, I I immediately called around. I found someone else to go finish it, close up the hole. You know, make sure we didn't create more issues with the neighbors or with the city. And uh, I took the amount of money I, I used to bail him out of prison to. Uh, I just took it out of what we owed him because we owed him money still. So that that was good. Was he okay with that? Yeah, yeah, he was. He was. He was very thankful. And you know, really, things from there, he did some more work, but he didn't finish everything. And this nightmare just kept going. Uh, the tenants were set to move in February the 1st. And uh, or maybe it was March the 1st. I forget what month, but he fell apart. And in the weeks leading up to it, long story short, he didn't do much of what he said. He lied. All kinds of problems arose, and I was having other problems in my business because when it rains, it storms. So one of the other horror stories I'm going to tell was happening simultaneously. Love that. And day the tenants are supposed to move in, oh my gosh, the house was not in good condition. This could have gone much, much, much worse than it did, but we could have gotten sued. And and basically, the tenants moved into a house they should not have because they had to move in, and we couldn't get anyone else to finish this uh, quicker and ended up having to go over there oversee it myself much of the work uh, much of the finishing work and uh this is why wild tenants were already in the house so that was an awful experience and really what happened is somebody that had been reliable had some things go wrong in his personal life made some bad decisions and he ended up in a desperate situation and when a person becomes desperate their morals tend to go away he had always been honest he'd always been reliable and then that kind of fell apart when again things went wrong at home and uh, yeah, that was an awful couple months. Oh yeah, and that, that, that's so tricky too because you look back on an experience like that, and usually there's like a lesson or a glaringly obvious red flag that happened at some point that you were like, you know what, I should have never done business with this person, or you know what, whatever it might have been. But maybe maybe that wasn't the case this time. Did looking back, you know, doing you know post mortem analysis on this. Was there anything you really learned from it or was it kind of out of the blue? No. So I, I would take responsibility for this in that he had started declining over the course of months. Cause this was like a four month project and it was in hindsight clear that he was going to be a problem much sooner ahead of time. And I should have got him off the job, got someone else in there much sooner. So that that's my own fault because in hindsight, it is obvious that he was falling apart. I gotcha. I gotcha. That's so tricky and that's so tough. But, you know, you live and you learn and you have these experiences and you still own the rental property today. Is it still on the seller financing note or did you put it into something else? Oh, never take. Yeah, I'm absolutely sticking to that. We're just coming up at the to the end of the interest only, at which point it's just a 3% permanent mortgage. And with, you know, 7% traditional mortgages, that's great. It cash flows nicely. There was a lot of rehab, but it's a perfectly fine C plus rental. That's perfect. That's perfect. And now, now you own it for for as long as you want to. You survived it. That's why so many people won't get into the business because they hear that, mm-hmm. and they only hear the story. 
and they don't hear, you know, okay, well, I went through a heartache and headache for a couple months there, but now, you know, it's mostly done and, you know, you deal with any normal problem that anyone else does. But you alluded to another story. Uh, yeah. What's that one? Yeah. So this, this happened just before my contractor fell apart. I'm coming home from Florida. I took a nice vacation with my girlfriend at the time. It was a great time, January. And uh, I had a layover. And right as I land for that layover, my phone starts blowing. A bunch of people that I do business with or are in the same business locally have calls, texts, on it, and so forth. And uh, something is clearly wrong. So I get on the phone with a friend of mine, and he goes, did you hear? Did, did I hear what? All water taps are on hold for the foreseeable future in uh, Pueblo, Pueblo West. I go, what? Well, when when are they opening up again? Oh, I don't know. They might never open up. That We don't know. Are they out? We, we don't know. We don't know. And so for anyone who doesn't know anything about new construction, if you're here in Colorado, uh, I mean, this varies from place to place, but in Pueblo West, you need a water tap from the city to build on your lot, plain and simple. And so they just stopped. All new water taps with no warning, none at all. And so I had dozens, not dozens, a dozen plus lots, many of which were under contract to sell, a few under contract to buy, and then several I was going to build on that were now worthless for all intents and purposes, at least for what I knew. And I, I will never forget that. I felt so helpless. I'm, I have to get on my plane. I have to go home. I have that rehab going on. And all the ARs I had were pretty much in Pueblo West via new builds or uh, uh, just land slipping. And just like that, I didn't know if those lots were worthless. I didn't know if I'd lost all that money. And so that was also not fun. Oh, man. And, and yeah. that's one of those things where, you know, looking back on it once again, how can you anticipate it? You know, may, maybe there were some rumblings in the news, maybe, but that's one of those things where you guys have to really pay attention to and not over leverage yourself or, you know, be too intent on staying in one very specific market if there's the potential of that happening, which there always is. Because you never know whenever something like that can happen. You know, they put a moratorium on, you know, Phoenix recently because of water issues. And, you know, Phoenix, Arizona is considered a very, very hot market. Yeah, there were issues after the, you know, financial collapse in 2008 there, but you would never expect it. So when you're doing your due diligence that, you know, on whatever type of property, it's a really good idea to be able to have local knowledge in play. And if you can you know, really get to know the city, know the town, know the county and everything like that, that can help. But you just never know. You never know what's going to happen sometimes. But once again, you know, it's a greater risk to not take any action than be afraid that something like this is going to happen because, you know, I know you had all that, but you survived, you're still here. So clearly something happened with all this land, right? Yeah. So day one, uh, I sent a bunch of marketing pieces out to different markets to get uh, going in other places. But thankfully, one of the builds, I had paid the water tap the day before I had left for Florida. And so that one just got in over the line. That ended up being a great project. However, yeah, what happened is over the course of the coming weeks, we started to get some information, but it was weeks before we got any clear information from the Metro District. And eventually, like three months later, they did open back up, albeit at a higher price for water taps. And so it cold the demand for land, but I was able to sell everything, uh, and it was okay. But there was a several month process, or you know, uh, period there where I did not know what was going to happen, and I thought I'm screwed. So 
uh, yeah, that was not great. And then at the same time, I had everything going wrong with that rental. And then at the same time, my accountant called me and goes, hey, I messed up. Uh, you actually owe an extra 50 grand in taxes. So I've got to tell you that happened at the same time. Uh, so that was a rough couple of months, man. <laughs> I don't ever want to go back. No, but you know, it's one of those experiences where when you are so uncomfortable, it, it makes it so much better. And you can look back and be like, well, you know, I adapted really well. It wasn't quite my fault where, you know, for me thinking about, you know, a mistake I've made in my land business is where something, it was something I could have avoided. I was relatively new to the business. Uh, you know, I had only done maybe five or 10, maybe 15 deals at this point in time. And I was super lazy and I had not outsourced any of my due diligence work that I now no longer do because after this moment, I fired myself from doing it. And, uh, it was almost six acres that I purchased in Westcliff, Colorado for $5,000. And in the neighborhood, uh, the lots were typically two acre lots and they were selling for in between 80 and $90,000 with, with an average of about 20 days on market. So I thought I hit a grand slam and, you know, I was a little confused by the parcel cause it was called open, you know, spread Eagle open space in the spread Eagle subdivision. And it was divided up into separate, separate lots, you know, it was one, one parcel number, but it was platted as several, several different, uh, you know, lots. And I was like, okay, that's kind of weird, but this is perfect because one of these is a two acre, one is a 1.9 acre and the other two I'm going to leave as open space and donate to the subdivision or something like that. I thought I was going to make, you know, 150 grand easy on this. And so I go to the county and I'm ready to start the subdivide process to officially, you know, have, have the plat maps recorded as, you know, uh, you know, these separate parcels and change the zoning from open space into residential vacant land. And they tell me, you can't do that. Uh, this is open space. And whenever land is zoned open space in Custer County is zoned open space in perpetuity. And had I read the documents and I had, I even read the title commitment. I would have seen, oh, there's no development potential whatsoever. You will never change the zoning on it. So I was like, crap, um, what am I going to do with this land? Because, you know, I still get offers all the time for it. And, you know, what's funny is I'm holding an offer letter right now from it uh, where someone offered me $29,000 for it. I sold this a while ago. So uh, what I did was I reached out to the HOA in the neighborhood and I said, hey, I own this land. Uh, I was intending on subdividing it and, you know, creating new lots, but I learned that I was going to be unable to do that. Would y'all like to purchase it from me? And we came to an agreement of $6,000. And so after all associated closing costs, I ended up making $141. So it's not, not a loss all in all, but man, the letdown that I got whenever the county was like, no, you idiot, you can never do this and you will never be able to do this. So that was something I could control. And luckily, I think the HOA did not want to deal with some other investor, you know, call, you know, dealing with something because I could have sold it off market and, you know, been unethical and said, hey, check out this beautiful land in Westcliff that's, you know, worth a million dollars or whatever. But God bless. That was a that was a mistake that I have not made since and never plan on making again. Uh, and so fire yourself if you're really bad at doing something. Good. So I imagine your due diligence checklist that your acquisition manager follows is including check for open space. Yep. 
and uh, I outsource my due diligence in its entirety because I just I can't I can't make a mistake like that again. I pay seventeen dollars for you know a virtual assistant to do all of my due diligence work, and it's it's worth it for me. It's worth it for my acquisition manager because uh, God, it that kind of stuff it can really come and bite you because you know whenever you're doing direct mail marketing campaigns, it's going to happen. You're going to send letters to people and their land is going to be entirely useless no matter how much you filter because with how many layers the data is going through from the county assessor website to whatever your data polling source is you know stuff is going to get mixed in i can't tell you how many times where i get signed purchase agreements back for what is zoned as residential vacant land and prop stream and it turns out to just be a random tract of land in the subdivision you know worth nothing where you get excited because you know with that campaign, it's like, oh shoot, I got a lead and that land is going to be worth, you know, $400,000 and I have assigned a purchase agreement for two fifty, and and uh, you look at it and you're like, ah, crap, not worth anything at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that, that's a good one. And on the topic of due diligence, these aren't super awful stories, but there's two I wanted to share, uh, East Auburn drive. And, uh, the other one was a whole portfolio and on East Auburn, uh, this illustrates how important it is to get somebody to look in person. If you can't clearly see on Google Earth, had what I thought was a great deal in a market I'd done dozens of deals in. I had, we had one of our cash buyers go by and he, no, nah, not interested. And then a few more, no, nah, not interested. And I was confused because I, I mean, I thought this was a, a done deal. And and one of them who I, I knew pretty well, I, I asked for information and he just sends me this picture of a giant pile of big rocks, which were shale. And in that market, shale is extremely hard to excavate through. It makes the the whole process of excavating and getting your foundation in place very expensive. And so next to the lot, right next door, there had been an excavation for a foundation and there was just massive, massive piles of shale. And so nobody wanted to touch that lot. And so uh, for land, we always, always have somebody check in person, whether it's it's just a realtor. So he's a, a realtor. And that helps to mitigate against that sort of thing. One more example, easier one. I had a whole portfolio of land I thought I was getting at a great price. And this is where title comes in. But he ended up having like $500,000 of IRS tax liens from his ex-wife on all of his property. And of course, having a title company, you know, made, made that uh, clear and we were fine. But you know, if you're one of those people buying without using a title company, you better be doing your your title searches and make sure they're good because I would not want to inherit. And, and, you know, explain explain to the listeners what happens there if you were to have purchased that. Say say you did it off, you know, without a title company or an attorney or anything like that. And there's that lien against the property. Yes, that that lien would stick to that property and it would be a problem when I go try and sell it. And, you know, I'm I would imagine via a lawyer, there is a process to remove it potentially because it's not your name. But now I, I, I'm not even entirely sure there. You'd need to speak to a lawyer. Uh, and regardless, it would be expensive lawyers. Yep. That, I mean, that's exactly it is, you know, I, I was asking because I, I didn't know the answer to that question either, but it was my thought process is I, I never would deal with something like that because that's it, it's once again where, you know, legal or accounting or, you know, title title insurance and title reports and everything like that. Yeah, it might cost a little bit of money and it, you know, affects your margins. 
but that's way, way, way cheaper than what you're going to be facing on the back end, having to deal with whatever the issues are that you're going to have to deal with if you didn't pay for it on the front end. I mean, title, like I, I'm buying, I don't know, I'm buying a lot. Uh, we just went under contract with it. I just got, you know, the sell the buyer's um, statement back. 10K lot, it's worth, I don't know, 27000 or so. $950. And that's for the closing cost, all associated closing costs with the transaction from the title insurance to the notary to um, everything in between. And having to deal with an attorney if there was title action that needed to be quieted on the front end or on the back end on the sale or any of that kind of stuff that comes up. It's just, just I don't know, you use an attorney or use a title company because it it's just not, it's not worth it. But have, have you ever invested in a really bad location, Dan? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. And this is another one I thought I got such a good deal. So Mint Drive uh, was a lot I bought years ago in Pueblo West. And what do you know? I didn't look in person. And what I didn't realize about Mint Drive, I got it at 10 in comparable lots. I thought we're selling in the mid 30s. I thought, great. You know, there's 20 plus profit here. And what I didn't know, is there was an industrial building right across the street. You're right at the edge of the zoning between residential and, and commercial industrial. And then there was basically what would, for all intents and purposes, appear to be a meth lab on the other side. Oh, no. Uh, and so that that one was just, it took, it was more just a big disappointment at the time, like you talked about, where I thought this was easily a 34 to 36K sale, and it ended up selling for like 18 grand, you know, nine months later. To someone who did look at it, there was no BS. He went and looked at it. He was fine with it. Uh, but I made, you know, next to nothing on it. And it just wasn't what I expected because I didn't look in person and it was a terrible location. And I can tell you guys, this is a cliche for a reason. Across all types of assets, location is everything. I've had this happen a number of times where deals, whether it's just a little bit too close to the highway or a main road or there's one shitty house next door or whatever it might be, that will dramatically affect your ability to resell. Oh yeah. Well, you know, the rule of real estate, location, location, location. And that right there is where local knowledge comes in. And it's one of those difficult things where I think, you know, from attempting to operate remote businesses where you, you invest almost entirely out of state from a a land flipping scale. Um, you know, and I, I, I invest in Colorado and Arizona and I, I don't go look at most of the properties at all anymore um, myself, but this is where local knowledge comes in because, especially if you're, you know, focusing on vacant residential lots, uh, you know, in the suburbs or in the city or something like that, one street over can be a huge difference. I remember in San Antonio, whenever we were looking for investment properties down there, you know, I found one and I sent it to my realtor and he's like, stay away from that. This side of the street is a great opportunity to invest. But this other side of the street, uh, the east side of Pine is run by these this particular gang and it's very, very dangerous and you cannot go in there and you cannot invest in there. And I was like, oh, well, no wonder it was a screaming good deal because it actually wasn't. So I think just being able to have some sort of boots on the ground um, or someone that's a professional and understands the market at a really high level is, is really crucial in this business. Yep. Yep. And then, you know, one more fun one I'd love to talk about is Hazelwood. Uh, so again, this is a rental I still own today. It's a great rental, uh, nice tenants, but this was the 
rundown house in a really nice area. This is just south of where I live, actually, right up against Cottonwood Park for anyone who knows Colorado Springs. And so it was right before the pandemic started. It was a wholesaler that had this property available. And you'd walk into the house and the stench was so bad, it was hard to breathe. Uh, you know, Rich, of course, Mason, I brought him with me and he couldn't even go in. And I'll never forget the worst part of the house. We're going to look through the bedrooms and one of the bedrooms is occupied. It took a long time to become unoccupied. Uh-oh. And as the door opened, just the stench and the smell was so strong. And the sun comes out with a, a, a seedy looking individual. And uh, there was all kinds of interesting smells in that room. Oh. And anyways, long story short, we end up finding out because by this house, thankfully get the tenants out without too much of a trouble, find out that she was a prostitute, that the son was trying to pass off as his girlfriend. Hmm. And uh, so the house was disgusting, doing the rehab. And as I'm in the house, this was years ago. This was when I did the rehab on. I'll never do that again, but I did it. And uh, I was working on the LVP. And all of a sudden, there's just a pounding on the door. And police open up. Uh, of course, I go open the front door. And they're all, you know, they're they're ready for confrontation. <laughs> I go, guys, what's going on here? I'm all, it's just me. I'm just rehabbing. They're like, Oh, did the did the, the the dad and the son move? I go, yeah, yeah, what's up? He goes, oh, he has a, a warrant out for his arrest. It was something violent. Now, I forget what it was. But anyway, so it's it's always fun to say I bought a rental that had a felon that had a warrant out for his arrest, arrest his prostitute girlfriend, and a helpless dad in it. That smelled so da- bad you couldn't breathe. But that's the smell of money. Man. Oh, my oh. gosh. <laughs> When I, I, I know how you are with smells too, where we'll, we'll yes. be working out together and someone that smells 20 feet away walks by and you get very upset. So, and, and I've seen you swing a hammer, which is embarrassing to watch. So the fact that you did that rehab just shows you, you know, the, the grit associated with, with dealing with that and, you know, no judgment on the sun. He's support, supporting local businesses, uh, you know, the, the oldest business there ever was, but mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think it's one of those things, once again, where it's just, you know, that that's such an uncomfortable and awkward and, you know, scary situation that every instinct in your body is telling you, get the hell out of here, go away. Mm-hmm. You know, you, from a smell perspective, the reason that smells so bad to us is because it's a threat of, you know, we need to get out of there and going in there and being able to change your perspective and say, hey, you know what, there's an opportunity here. And once again, I imagine it's worth it. That's a nice area of town. Do you still own it? Yeah, that one's great. I've had the same tenants in there since 2020. Up the rent a few times. It's just a turnkey, simple rental that's appreciated quite a bit. Perfect. And that's that's the the whole idea of this business is solving problems for people that are more complex or more complicated or more frustrating than what other people are you know going through. And I think that's something that it's a really good reminder of whenever you get frustrated in business and if you are the entrepreneur type, you got to keep going because that right there is what's going to cause 99% of the population to turn around and run away because it is frustrating. Being a real estate investor full-time, God, it's weird. It's a weird, weird business. It's a frustrating business. It's both very, very complex and very, very simple at the same time and very disgusting a lot of the time. I mean, my rehab that I'm working on right now, you know, we're converting a commercial building that it was a slumlord, essentially, uh, in my mind, I, I would have tons of ethical problems renting that property to any human being, you know, whenever I first saw it. 
and the rehab is still going on. This is, uh, we're recording this June 27th of 2023. Uh, I purchased it August 1st of 2022 and, you know, we're still working on it, but man, that thing was haunted. There was dog crap all over the floor everywhere. There's creepy photos of doll, like photos of dolls in the house and, uh, which is haunted on a whole new different level. But the way I look at it is it's in downtown of a very hot tourist market and it'll be a great long-term investment, but I don't know how often I complain about it four times a day, every day. And it's, uh, yeah, I hear about it a lot. Yeah. And, and that's the thing is it, it's problems like this and challenges like this, where, you know, if you're investing and you're in a good location, just like Dan's talking about Colorado Springs, my properties in downtown Pagosa Springs, Colorado, you know, it's going to be a great, great investment in the long term. And so it's that ability to zoom out and recognize that these challenges and these problems, whenever you're super focused um, on the micro, you know, in, in 10, 20 years, you know, you'll remember it as a story and you're going to tell it wrong. You're going to say, uh, you know, they, the, there was a dad and a son and there was a whole prostitution ring getting run out of there and a meth lab and everything because you're going to have forgotten about all of these moments. Well, there's another one that I think had a mess lab, but we don't have to talk about that one today. I bought plenty of properties from disgusting people, but same sort of concept. Uh, the grosser it is, the more the opportunity there there is. There it is. And that's Dan's life motto. The grosser it is, the more opportunity. So uh, with, with that, uh, we'll, we'll leave y'all uh, with it and hope you had fun listening to some of these horror stories. And that's it for today's episode of The Big Picture Blueprint. If you found it helpful, please share it with your friends or anyone you think that it could benefit. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating, and we'll see you in the next episode.